0: Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 21, we're gonna recap UFC Sao Paulo from this past weekend. Then we're gonna preview UFC 295 Prohaska versus Pereira for the light heavyweight title. From there, we'll draft our top five Madison Square Garden events, and we'll cover our favorite football games from across college and the NFL. And finally, we'll jump into stakes and takes our betting segment where we give you our best advice for this week's games. But first, Don't forget to like and subscribe and then head to SplitDecisionPod.com where you'll find all of our recent podcasts, videos, top fives, and more. Again, that's SplitDecisionPod.com. All right, let's go.
1: All right, so UFC Sao Paulo, fight night in Brazil. Kind of an underwhelming card is a fight card we previewed six fights for the fight card by the time fight night happened and the fights the fights started happening we were down to four so two of them got canceled one because of weight the day before one because of a mysterious sickness backstage the day of the russian poisoning i don't know what happened very weird but the main event almeida lewis it was kind of underwhelming too uh almeida dominated the win you got the unanimous decision win uh very surprising that it went the distance. I think going the distance was like plus 1,200 pre-fight, something like that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I uh, I think everybody thought it was either going to be a quick Almeida on the ground finish or Derek Lewis was going to catch him. Instead, it was Almeida just keeping him on the ground, not being able to choke him out. Props to uh, D. Lewis for not getting choked out. He had enough defense for that. but Not enough defense to stay off the ground. Not not, a, he couldn't defend the takedown and then... He got up a couple times, but I think it was something like 22 minutes of ground control time for Almeida in the fight, no, in a 25-minute fight.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, Almeida landed six out of 15 takedowns, which,
1: that's crazy. That, that sounds better than he actually than Right, it actually Then looked. it looked
0: like for sure. Then it looked like for Lewis. Right. Because it looked like... He was on the ground uh, the entire fight. Because he was
1: on the ground the entire fight. Correct.
0: Um, it was, I think he struck at almost 80% accuracy. So Almeida that was, and then Almeida was only hit like 40 times in the whole fight. It's pretty crazy. It was definitely one-sided, lackluster, but 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 dominant. it was
1: lackluster, but it kept you interested because you knew if he somehow got to the feet and Derrick Lewis connected, he was out. Because he hit him a couple times and had a couple like three, four second moments where you're like, oh, Derrick Lewis, and then Almeida would just bring him back to the ground. But right. I, so one of the, the things threat was always there.
0: One of the things coming in, I thought that was going to play a, a way bigger role than it did, was the weight difference. I mean, this dude comes in weighing at 236 pounds, not cutting weight anything, and he's just ragdolling heavyweights, where Derek Lewis came in at 265, you know, right at, right on the button, and he couldn't get up with Almeida just laying on top of him for the entire fight. It, it was an absolute dominant showing. What do you think's next? for Jolton Almeida?
1: Well, I think he's... I don't think he, called he's out he called out Cyril He called out Cyril I would love to see that fight. Problem is, Cyril it, the last time Aspinall called him out, uh, he was like, I'm only taking the title shot next, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I doubt he would go down and fight a dude that could take him down and have that kind of matchup problem for him. I would like to see that fight, though. I think Almeida's for real. Uh, his ground game's so good, and he has been he's, can knock some guys out, too. Uh I don't think it's a title shot next. Maybe he gets the loser of the fight this weekend between uh, Aspinall uh, and Pavlovich. Pavlovich. I was thinking um, maybe even tied to Iwasa, but that
0: would give him a similar tie shot Tied to Iwasa. As throw to what Curtis Blades had.
1: out there maybe because Curtis, Curtis Blades has wrestling, so it would be interesting to I think to Curtis see Blades that.
0: has a fight coming up. The other option, another Sergei, Sergei Spivak, if we want to go like wrestler against
1: wrestler. Yeah, that would be one I would watch. I think he's definitely – he moves up the ladder in, in – uh, heavyweight but he's probably still a fighter to a win or two away from uh i think he needs shot. to fight another wrestler though i think he needs to you know be challenged
0: not with you know Derek lewis where we kind of knew the game plan coming in it's knockout or bust and yeah, this was
1: just a two totally different styles
0: right i think we need a similar style to see if almeida can hang with somebody if he's a, an elite title contender 40 pounds heavier than him because i still think against the right opponent that's going to be a very big disadvantage to almeida
1: yeah, but the uh, the point they always bring up is the last great heavyweight to be uh, undersized like that was Stepe, and he's like arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. That's true. Stepe was only like two thirty five, two forty.
0: Yeah. Well, look, the co main. If if the heavyweight was lackluster, the co main was an electric performance. It left everybody speechless. I'm sure it left you
1: speechless. It left me speechless. It was kind of it was surprising too. I think both Bonfirm brothers came out. You know, I mean, a lot of hype. One loss to start their
0: career, but They're both second fights in the UFC was great rebounds. They, fighting in Brazil, right? Fighting on their home turf in Brazil, Ismael Bonfim was canceled due to a weight miss uh, the Him day before, um, and then Gabriel, his older brother, co-mained the, the undefeated
1: coming in and got completely well. He, I think he won slept. the first round, but he like he either ran he ran out of gas it seemed like he hit a wall round. he hit a wall people online were trying to say it seemed like he kind of quit i don't think he quit i just think
0: i think he might have gotten hit i mean it was less than 30 seconds left in the round if you're gonna quit you're not quitting then you're quitting the beginning of the round if you if you see like oh we've been out here for a while can't be that much time left you're gonna give it your all to stay awake then or to stay you might alive just be that tired, you
1: never know but- right I don't think he quit. I I think think it was just Dalby's performance. Very impressive performance by Dalby. I think we both talked about it. You picked Dalby. I didn't, but I said no. I I picked Bonfim. Oh, you didn't pick Bonfim? I lost that one as well. I thought you picked. But we talked about Dalby. We both picked Bonfim, but Dalby was definitely capable and he was definitely dangerous, and he proved that.
0: Right. Dalby, look, and being a doubter in Dalby on this one, I think it wasn't anything against Nicholas Dalby. It was more. With how the money line looked. You know, it was a a minus 500 favorite for Bonfim. It it leaned
1: heavily. Suspicious how crazy that money line was. Right. Because that was a pretty... Even coming in, it was a pretty even fight.
0: Right. So... But look, with that win, Dolby improved to 6-1-1 in the UFC. So a very impressive outing. I don't think we're going to doubt him again. He called out a top 15 opponent. Not anyone specific, but he just asked the UFC for a top 15 in the welterweight division. I think he deserves one. I think maybe with a a Renat's draw, Renat Fakradinov's draw against um, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, I think he would be a good option. I think another good option would be either uh, Neil Magny or Kevin Holland. You know, both of them fought recently, so they could always be kind of in line to fight again.
1: Yeah, I feel like you always throw those two guys at somebody to be like, what Can level they are, you at? are
0: you Are you top 15 worthy or are you pecking pecking ground worthy? Exactly. They're the two gatekeepers of the welterweight division. It's it's pretty sick. So what do you think? What, outside of those two, anybody else other than Renat? No, those I like two? those
1: two picks. Uh, I think... Definitely a top 15 guy. I would say any, any guy ranked from like 11 to 15. Def, he's not a top 10 guy yet. He probably needs a couple wins from that. So nobody like Ian Gary or anything like that. Uh, I think top 15. Cool. So the next fight was nasamito versus Maze.
0: I'd say a better heavyweight fight overall on this card anyway. More competitive, you would say. At least better to watch.
1: Was this a, a unanimous or a split decision? It was a uh, unanimous decision. Unanimous decision by Nasamito. I mean, this was another one that was two totally different styles going against each other. One guy, obviously, better on the ground. One guy proved to be better on the feet. It seemed like Mays was a little bit better. He struck him a little bit more, landed a little bit more. But Nasamito's ground game was just, Mays couldn't handle it.
0: Yeah, I think that that third round push from Mays is what, you know, kind of edged the scorecards up to his favor from being a 30 27 across all three. Yeah, I think it was 30, 27, and then 29, 29, 28. 28s. Right. Yeah. I mean, outside of that third round, it was it was more of a dominant performance by Nascimento, Or maybe not dominant but a more clean, striking performance from uh it we'll showed... put it this
1: way, nobody's arguing that uh Mays should have won. It was clear that Nascimento was the winner. Correct. Yeah, it was fight. a it was and a and good judge fire. fight
0: through and through. Um look, this is exciting because even with John Jones out with the torn peck, it's showing you that. The hype in the heavyweight division isn't I mean, just in the top 10, top 15. It's it's deeper in the division. It's
1: probably the deepest the heavyweight division's ever been. Usually there's only like four or five legit guys. Right,
0: and the heavyweight division, to me, it looks like it's starting to heat up. I'll ask like I have been. What do you think's next for Rodrigo Nascimento?
1: You know, this is a tough one. I don't know if he's, a rank, if he's fighting a ranked guy next. I could see it. Again, like a lower-ranked guy.
0: Right. I picked a couple. I picked maybe like an Alexander Romanov. He has the schedule open for it. That would probably be the highest-ranked guy I think he could fight at the moment. What's he
1: ranked right now? Uh, he's like 11 or 12. 11. Yes. Yeah, I think that's – if he's going to fight somebody ranked, nobody Maybe even a that. Gyro Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck. I
0: he's, mean, a, he's a 15 or 14-ranked top fit or in the top 15. Uh, he begged Dana for a top 15 fight before – because Nasimento's last fight – is His next fight on his UFC contract. So he's kind of in that proving ground moment You know, he got a win over Dante Dante Almeida, But he wants the top 15 opponent to show the UFC, you know that that he deserves another contract. So I'd definitely be down for a top 15 for him I'd watch it. So after initial slow start to the fight Cal Baralho really found his rhythm and started to kind of heavy maintain the control in the third round I think that decided the entirety of the fight, giving him the strong it edge in the Ho judges' mind. Baralho versus
1: Abbas Magomedov, right? Right. Cal Baralho
0: versus Abbas Magomedov. Um, you know, it was it was a good fight. It wasn't, you know, the strongest performance from Magomedov that we have seen before.
1: But I mean, what is he one and two in the UFC now? So I mean, he's only we haven't seen him that much.
0: Yeah, it just I feel like he's done better, especially because the last loss was another you know decision loss.
1: No, his last loss was. Oh, to, it was a um, knockout. You're right. Yeah, dominated by. Uh, You're right.
0: Sean. Um, this was a, it was a good performance by Cal at the end of the fight. How'd you th-
1: see it? I, I think it was a clear, unanimous decision win for Cal. Um, I think 30 27 was one judge, and then he had two 29 28s. Right.
0: Yeah, he got the. He almost secured a take uh, submission, or he tried for a few
1: submissions, almost got the arm bar. I had it 30 27. I think he won every round. Um, I think it was a lot like the last fight where it was, you watch that and nobody is legitimately arguing that yeah. Boralho didn't win the fight.
0: My only problem is I picked Abbas pre-fight. So now then kind of going and watching the fight, I watched it with an Abbas lens, if you will, or an Abbas bias. So I'm not arguing the judges were right, but then it made me agree with the 29-28s at the very least. But who do you think's next for Cow? Cal? He called out Drakus, which we got that announcement. Drakus is fighting. Uh, I mean,
1: there was no way he was going to fight. No, me.
0: he wasn't fighting Drakus anyway, but at least we don't have to worry about it now. Yeah, Drakus fighting for the title. So he's not getting that. Maybe Gestellum, Chris Curtis, Anthony Hernandez, if he gets like, a top
1: 15. Uh, Chris Curtis, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Yeah, I mean, he
0: Cal's got that attitude with, the, you know, the kind of shitty tattoos, free spirit across his throat. And then, uh, I, I forget what's on his arm, but it's like, just don't
1: die or something like that. Yeah, and he was bitching on Twitter after the rankings updated, after his fight, that he wasn't ranked. He was calling politics and bullshit. Yeah, So he's a guy, he, he's got a uh, he's personality.
0: Got a, yeah, he's a Brazilian Colby Covington at this point, in my mind.
1: Okay, so this week's top five is going to be top five MSG moments in honor of the UFC returning, returning to Madison Square Garden, New York City this weekend. Always big cards, big atmosphere, a great crowd when that happens. So we thought we'd honor that with our top five MGM moments slash events. I feel like we're about to get in a fight. It could be because we I have a specific interest that I think that we'll get into it. Yeah, I'm about to exploit you on this one. I'm sorry. My number one, though, I'm going to go the uh, – you know, we do a UFC podcast. I'm going to go a UFC event, and I'm going to go UFC 205. This is when Conor McGregor was became the first person in the UFC history to have two belts at two different weight classes. Uh, he beat Eddie Alvarez. It was one of his best performance. It was almost like peak McGregor MMA. Uh, it's iconic. Two belts. I no. mean, I, I – I mean, he set he literally say what you want about him now. He paved the like he he was the first to do this.
0: He was a pioneer for for a lot of things in the UFC. He had that he has a legendary left
1: hand. It's a very good fight and he beat and Eddie Alvarez is like a legit He was a le- he great. was a legit champ. He's a legit MMA great. I mean, it was just a great win.
0: Right. Absolutely. That is a that is a very good uh number 1 overall. Um I like that pick for everything you said. Uh, for conor mcgregor's legacy all the good and the bad we've seen of him but it also i like that pick because it it allows me not to show you my hand at all um so my number one is going to be the fight of the century muhammad ali versus joe frazier
1: yeah i
0: figured that i mean it's it's, which one they fought there twice uh the well like 1978 i think it was 71 71
1: and 74 71 was the one they dubbed fight of the century
0: well there was the there was two fights, not not Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. There were two fights of different boxers that were dubbed fight of the century.
1: Which when, yeah, they do that in football, college football all the time. Game of the century. Like, game
0: of the century. All right. Um yeah, Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier, fight of the century, nineteen seventy-one. Thanks for the year. Uh but yeah, it was just great boxing match. It was historic. You got the draft dodger, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay fighting uh almost said George Foreman, Joe Frazier at msg my number two and i'm sorry because i don't have to tell you actually i'm not sorry yet usc 244 for the bmf the first bmf title masvidal versus nate diaz uh keeping it in the fight game it just a very good fight it was a doctor stoppage win for masvidal because of a cut over diaz's eye but if the doctor wouldn't have stopped that fight it would have gone on and just continued to be an absolute war. It, I mean, up to that point, it was a great fight. It was, it was awesome. I think it's a very solid second pick. It you know, locked in Masvidal as the first bad motherfucker. The Rock put the belt around his waist. And then he put the belt around Gaethje's waist when Gaethje unfortunately knocked Poirier out.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Uh, so my number two, that's a, not a bad—was that your second one? That was my second pick. My number two pick is gonna be. This is gonna. This is where it starts getting crazy. Yep. Maybe. My number two is JFK's forty fifth birthday. It was held at MSG. It was. It was the iconic moment that they have of Marilyn Monroe singing "Happy Birthday, Mr. President." Yeah. She did it at this event. JFK, a great president, so great they had to kill him. Yep. We just got canceled. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> It's an iconic moment. Got to, just got a text on my phone. It said, FBI alert. Cancel. Iconic moment. JFK, one of the most universally liked presidents of all time. Uh, the fact that, like, that would never like. You don't see Biden or Trump having their birthday at Madison Square Garden and like stars showing up. Right. I mean,
0: Obama could probably get away with that. There's. I got a birthday on my list that but, I'm thinking of picking.
1: I. So my number two, JFK's forty fifth birthday celebration. That's a very
0: solid one. That, that I forget about the song. Um, that would have been the what? Like the this? That would have been one of the most recent things in this MSG, right? MSG four or five, whatever they're on, because that would open in like sixty eight. Yeah, I believe so. So that would have been like right after he, or right before, he, uh, you know, a year or two before he died. Huh. Nice. What's your third pick? So my third pick. Is- this is where the rubber meets the road, sir
1: my third pick is going to be one of the best bands of all time their first time here we go touring north america in madison square garden i'm going 1970 led zeppelin yep. when they played at madison square garden it's a concert you can buy they have it filmed you can buy and watch it it's amazing you can steal it too you can what do you mean it's on youtube oh yeah it's on youtube now but like i guess it's not stealing because that pays them it's a great concert iconic rock band Probably the best like legitimate rock band of all time. Right, like through the tradition of rock band. Right, it doesn't a rock go and roll like band. too hard
0: to where it's like screaming at you and it's not too soft not to like where, the it's Beatles, like pop where it's like or punk.
1: Yeah, like right. Absolutely. Quintessential rock band, Led Zeppelin, their first time in New York City, first time in Madison Square Garden, first time in North America. So that's my number 3.
0: That's awesome. That's a good number 3. Um i see your led zeppelin i know exactly where you're going now and i'm gonna say thank you for uh showing me this band more recently actually uh pink floyd june 1977 madison square garden Uh, i think it was the bad bad muse tour or something like that no you don't even know that it's in the flesh was that the in the flesh tour in the flesh tour 1977 there you go the in the flesh tour my my space is small to write down sir in the flesh tour 1977 pink floyd uh, thank you christian for uh pointing them out to me just great band yeah that's my number three i guess it's time i gotta go to my number f- four i'm gonna give it a layup I'm gonna ha- hang on to the birthday cue here actually you know what never mind i'm gonna not I'm going to go with Kobe Bryant's 61-point game for the Lakers. It was in MSG. It was his fifth 61-point game in his career, and he's not with us anymore. R.I.P. Kobe Bryant, 61-point game for my fourth pick.
1: Not a bad game. I mean, you can't really hate on Kobe anymore. You're Uh, not allowed to. Not allowed to. So say it's a good pick. It's a good pick. (laughs) My number four, I'm going the 1970 NBA Finals. The iconic uh, Willis Reed getting injured in the finals, coming back, literally limping back onto the floor, played a pivotal role in the Knicks winning the game, winning the title. 1970, they've only, they're, that's their second most recent title for the New York Knicks. The other one's 1973. That's so crazy. It's still a huge moment. I mean, it's an iconic moment if you follow basketball of him coming back onto the court after being injured and being the hero for the game. Uh, I think it's something everybody thinks about if they're a sports fan when they think about MSG. It's one of the iconic moments. That's my number four pick. I like that. What's your number five? And my number five pick, I'm going another, I see your Kobe Bryant, I wait. raise you, Wayne Gretzky. His final game of the greatest hockey player, no doubt of all time, was when he played for the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I believe it was either ninety-eight or ninety-nine. I mean, it's a, it's like wherever LeBron's last, like, yeah, it'll be like a
0: quintessential moment
1: for sports, wherever he it, last plays. It was amplified even more that it was at an arena like Madison Square Garden. And I'm sure it was the a greatest player crowd. of all time got to play his final game at probably like the greatest arena in modern in, times. In modern times, right? It's our,
0: it's like poetic, right? It's our Coliseum. It's our, you know. Acropolis, it's it's an homage. It's not going away because it was a, it was a hell, it was hell to build Madison Square Garden on top of Penn Station. They actually just referenced that in uh, Mad Men. In Mad Men, yeah, They talking about it. Or I guess last at the end of last season they were talking about it. That's a good one. Rain, rain, rain. Wayne Gretzky for the New York Rangers. That's good. My fifth pick. This is actually one we've seen. Uh, it was in 2021. We saw it live. Louis C.K. Live at Madison Square Garden. We watched that uh, that comedy special at my house. Very good special. Walked, it was Louis C.K. Back, back into comedy. Uncanceled. Back into real life. Just let the man, you know, do what he wants to do. He wasn't hurting anybody.
1: Yeah, funny comedian. I don't know if I'd have him in this list. But it was a good. But well, he used to
0: do he used to do sellout shows at places like MSG all the time, and then cancellation. So, give him his props. He sold it back out again on his first tour out or first show out at a big thing. So,
1: props to Louis C.K. Yes, I think that kind of wraps up the top top five right there. Um, this was a hard one. Yeah, I had a, I had a bunch. It, I it could, was hard to narrow it down and to like say what is really like stands out above the other ones. Yeah, I had the Who. Uh, Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every major rock band—not even rock band, but like if you're into any, any, any yeah, kind any of music. music. Did uh, Taylor Swift do MSG? I'm sure she's doing the football stadium, so she most definitely did MSG. I doubt she could sell out MSG. i'm kidding i'm kidding place is like three times the size yeah if you want to get canceled that's what you have to do you have to talk shit on t swift we can't do that here so my top five again is number one ufc 205 mcgregor becomes double champ number two jfk's 45th birthday celebration i really like that pick me too number three uh led zeppelin's first time in north america the 1970 led zeppelin tour at msg uh Number four, also 1970, Willis Reed coming back injured in the NBA Finals, helping the Knicks win. And my number five, MSG moment slash event is Wayne Gretzky playing his final game.
0: That's awesome. My top five: Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, fight of the century, UFC 244, Masvidal versus Nate Diaz for the BMF title. Number three is Pink Floyd, 1977, Into the Flesh tour. Four, Kobe Bryant's fifth 61-point game at MSG. And five will be Louis C.K. live at MSG. First show back. All right, so now we're gonna preview UFC 295, Prohaska versus Pereira for the light heavyweight title.
1: In the previously mentioned Madison
0: Square Garden. Yes. First fight we're going to talk about is Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini in the featherweight division. Diego Lopez may be the best hair
1: tattoo combo at UFC.
0: Yeah, something like that. He see, he looks like he sings in My Chemical Romance, but the Brazilian uh, version or like the tr- Brazilian tribute band <laughs> to My Chemical Romance. looks like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Diego Lopez is 22 and 6 in the UFC with 8 KO victories, 12 submission victories, 2 decision victories, only losing 2 times by KO and 4 times by decision. So stopping fights is not his, or winning fights on the cards is not really his strong suit, it seems. Uh, taking on Pat Sabatini, 18 and 4, 2 wins by knockout, 11 by submission, 5 by decision. Is this the first fight we've had where it's two guys we've covered before their fights? It's one of the first Oh, it's like things. fight guys we've both cut. Co- yeah, I think so. One of the first. Yeah. 20 episodes, 21 episodes in. We're, we're starting to have duplicates and triplicates. I like it. Uh, Pat Sabatini's lost twice by knockout and two times by decision. Diego Lopez is also one and one in the UFC. And like I said before, he loses more often by the decision than he wins. He has six total career decisions. Decisions. Two of them are wins, four are losses. So if this fight goes to the cards, I would expect him to lose. Um, this is a stylistic matchup where it's like two strong ground guys, where Diego Lopez also has a strong striking game.
1: So Yeah, that's what I thought the difference was, is two guys great on the ground. Uh, yeah, if they I go like equal Sabatini. there. I, I th- like both guys a lot, but I think because they're both great on the ground, they might ne- uh, be n- neutralize each other. And I think Lopez's feet... His striking ability is going to be the difference in this fight. I have Lopez winning the fight. I actually have the
0: same. I uh, I think I think the exact same with an equal equal ground game, or even if there's a slight edge to one of their ground games, I think the striking from Diego Lopez is going to be the you know contributing factor to the victory. The next
1: fight, what you got? So the next fight, I think it's the first guy we've covered. This will be the third time we've covered him. He was on the fir- one of the first fight cards we did previously and- mentioned. triplicate. And I, for me at least, he's becoming one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, especially up and coming guys. It's a 27 year old Benoit Saint Denis taking on a tough opponent, a guy that knocks people out, Matt Frivola. Matt, uh, the steamroller. The steamroller. He's a good follow on Twitter. He's entertaining. This is an exciting fight. I'm. This maybe. This. I'm not gonna say it's the most exciting because. The main and the co-main are so ex- going to be so exciting, but yeah, this those, is are, a, those are statements in their own. This is a fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, Saint Denis has the killer ground game for Vola, more of a stand-up guy, but both guys can do the other one too.
0: Right, you're saying both guys can either get on the ground or knock each
1: other out. Saint Denis can knock people out. For Vola, can he's not terrible in the ground. Right. He so look, for him. Vola,
0: to your point. He came, he's coming off of a knockout win to the chin, Drew Dober, Yeah, which is crazy. But he also has three submission victories in his career, and he's never been subbed. So it kind of shows you kind of what you're talking about. He's kind of versatile. He, he can knock you out. He can sub you. He can defend. Whereas Benoit Saint-Denis, you know, he's coming off of, I believe. Uh, I think he has four or five straight wins, doesn't four,
1: he? He's 4-1 and one in the UFC. Yeah, and four straight. He lost his first one, I believe. In Correct. Four straight.
0: And he's been able to finish guys either way. You know, he's... Uh, he's got- won the
1: two fights we've covered from him, too.
0: Absolutely. Three KOs, nine subs. He's he's only lost one fight by decision in his career, and he has won no contest. I think we're both picking Benoit Saint-Denis,
1: the god of war. Yeah, Saint-Denis, as I said, becoming one of my favorite fighters. And... I'm 2-0 picking him. I'm trying to be 3-0.
0: Right. He's, he's becoming our uh, bell cow,
1: our kind of moneymaker, if He's an exciting you will. fighter, too. Like, his fights are exciting. He's going to... And he gets think finishes. He,
0: in, in all in all seriousness, though, I think he has what you need to have in the lightweight division, especially right now, being as heavy as it is. You need to have somebody who's versatile, who can knock you out, or st- at least stand strong on the feet, and have very good ground and game. A killer ground game, right? I, that, you have to have uh, you have to be versatile in the entire realm of MMA to be great in the lightweight division.
1: All right, so the next fight, Mackenzie Dern, another one of our favorite fighters. Yeah, on Jessica Andraj. Uh, this is Duque. do not get on her OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Andraj coming in, I think three straight losses. Three straight losses. But for she's fought, this is her fifth fight this year. It's pretty crazy. She won the first one, has lost three straight, and she's taking on. Uh, she lost three straight by finishes.
0: Yeah, all which finishes.
1: Is, I think it was two submissions and a knockout. That's never a good sign. And then she kind of, you don't want to say rush back out there. I think she fought last in August. Right. But this is the fifth time you're fighting this year three with three straight losses. Both fighters
0: since 2021 have lost to Yao, Zhao Nian Jian, female fighter in the UFC. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not to kind of take anything away from that, but Mackenzie Dern has kind of ridiculous jujitsu. Coming off, she won her last
1: fight after the loss to Jean, correct? Right, right. Yeah, I think this is going to be uh, this is Mackenzie Dern still kind of ascending her career. We talk about this every week. Somebody's career ascending, or at least on the the uprise, taking on Jessica Andrade, where her career former champ she was great when she was great, but she, her career is definitely it seems on the, uh, the downward slope. I got Dern winning the fight. I think when you when
0: you say it when we talk about the kind of career trajectories going down, a lot of people think of them as like stocks, where it's like you know you know, you're like a graph chart going down. I think of it as like the side-by-side escalators in the mall where like one's going up and one's going down, but you kind of pass each other. Yeah. You know, it's like, haha. Um, I also picked Dern. I think her jujitsu is going to cause her to, uh, you know, win the fight probably by decision, to be honest with you.
1: All right. So let's move on to the co-main event next. And this is, these are the mucho and portanto ones. This is for the, uh, interim heavyweight belt. Uh, Tom Aspinall, Taking on sergey Pavlovich, two guys, maybe two of them the two most exciting heavyweight fighters. Tom Aspinall. I mean, you watch this guy fight, especially in his last fight against my uh, against Tibera. Marcin Tibura? I yeah, I couldn't get his first name. I still can't get it, but Tibura. <laughs> he uh he was moving so fast and looked so good on the feet. Like, you couldn't believe he was a heavyweight. He was moving like a lightweight, a featherweight. He's so fluid on the feet. One of the most talented guys. And then he's taking on Pavlovich, who, I mean, this dude destroys people when he Right. Beats
0: he, he. I don't want to say he can't wrestle, but he definitely leans on his power to finish fights. He has 15 KO victories. Only one loss total, and it was by KO. I mean— Yeah, it was against Alistair
1: Overeem. And that was when Uh,
0: Alistair Overeem was
1: just destroying people. I think it was like six or seven fights ago for him. So he's won like five or six since then. Right.
0: Aspinall, though, has been completely
1: electric. He's been on this crazy tear. I think he's also six and one. And his only loss was the bullshit. He got hurt like within 15 seconds of the fight starting to count as a loss.
0: Yeah, which I get. I get it, but it's like it pisses you off, especially if you have money
1: on him. Which... Or especially if it's his only loss where it's like, yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, it sucks. But he's. But I love Tom Aspinall. I think he uh, – Michael Bisbing, I think it's because he's English, but that he has the chance to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. I mean, he does have the chance, I guess. I wouldn't go that far yet. But I love watching him fight. He's one of the most exciting heavyweights uh, in I think his this generation be, for sure. I think this is going to be a killer fight. I think Tom Aspinall gets the victory – I'm leaning towards first round KO. I think one of these guys are going to get KO for sure. Uh, but I think Aspinall. I'm, I'm going Aspinall, but I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised anything.
0: I have to agree with you there. I think, I think Tom Aspinall is going to win the fight. I think he's going to be the interim ha- heavyweight champ- champion. And I think it's going to start, you know, at least the narrative that John Jones is going to have to fight him to come back. And that's what I'm excited for because at at the beginning we didn't have to have that fight, but I want the narrative to be that we have to have that fight. I want to see Tom Aspinall fight John, John Jones. Me too. Not for the interim title. Because Tom Aspinall. But is for a black the heavyweight
1: belt. he's a jiu-jitsu guy.
0: Right. Too. So let's go. You want to train with Gordon Ryan? We can go. That's what I want Tom Aspinall to do. I want them to have a real fight in the heavyweight division. But he has to go through Sergei pa- Pavlovich to get there. Which is not going to be an easy no test. There's no guarantee
1: he does. I
0: still think Tom Aspinall wins. So lock those in if you feel necessary. It's a it's a very slight odds. It's minus 120 for Aspinall and plus 100 for Sergey. Yeah, it's
1: pretty much a pick em.
0: Right. Moving on to the main event. The light heavyweight title fight. The fight of the totems, if you will. The Easter Island head versus the... The like
1: Japanese samurai. The Avatar. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call Yuri, but he's, he's just scary. He's terrifying both guys. Pretty scary guys. Both very talented guys. Yuri, coming his last fight, and he won the title. You forget about that because he got injured. Right. He hasn't fought since then. He gave up the title because he knew he was going to be out a year plus. It's like smart. this is a dude that won a belt and then he technically, like. He never lost. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it.
0: And he's taking on Pereira trying to become a double champ. Pereira's just a monster in his own right. Look, between the two of these guys, they have five total career losses. Nuts. It's crazy. Pereira.
1: And you know what's another thing I saw that was crazy? Yuri, this is only his fourth UFC fight. Right. He's 3-0 in the UFC now. I was about to say. The third one was the fucking title fight.
0: Combined, these guys have fought like seven UFC fights. Remember when he fought uh, Reyes? Yeah. Dominic Reyes, and he's just just that was his him. second UFC fight. Absolutely, look, Prochaska hasn't lost
1: since twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's a. If you watch his fight, like he's not. He's only had one technique technique decision victory the in most that time. Orthodox, but dude, he rocks people. He's he only had one decision victory
0: since twenty fifteen. So he's finished every fight
1: since twenty fifteen. He's got to be like crazy punch power, like unbelievable. And only but six, he's also fighting a guy that. Literally this week, got inducted into the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame.
0: In, in only six UFC fights, Pereira has fought three UFC champions. Yeah, he fought Adesanya twice, and then he Sean knocked Strickland. Out Sean Strickland. And um, who was his most recent one? Oh, you, you, Jan, Jan Blachowicz. So four if you want to count Izzy twice. It, yeah, I mean, that's an impressive Three different
1: thing. UFC champions. And in he's beat them all. Six UFC fights. And he's beat them all. And he's beat them all. He did lose to one of them, but he also beat that guy.
0: Five in the one, five and one in the UFC. Two wins without a finish. This is battle of the totem. He's totem warriors.
1: Pure striker. Maybe in the MMA, but definitely in the, definitely in this. The thing is, plus. when you
0: see him fight, he looks like he's not putting forth any effort. So it doesn't look like he's as powerful as he is. But he's knocking.
1: People I don't know, out. man. He looks pretty fucking powerful. He looks like a scary guy. He does. The UFC today but it's, because him it's so effortless. It, they posted him knocking Sean Strickland out in like 75 angles. Yeah. angles. It was like, I didn't even know this was an angle. It Who was do you like, literally going to win? Shots. Who do I think is going to win? I think either guy can win. Oh, Obviously, we are talking about this kind of power. Same kind of odds. I pick him 110 and minus 130. I like both guys a lot, but I think I like Alex Potan Pereira a little more. There's something about him. I'm a fan of him. He's one of my favorite fighters currently fighting right now. I like Yuri too. I'm not going to be mad if he gets a dub, but I think I'm going to go Alex Pereira. I
0: got to go with Yuri. I think Prohaska is going to win. I think he's going to, you know, get the title, keep the title, whatever you want to call it. I think he's got what it takes, and I I don't think we have to worry about that.
1: Blue 42, say, let's jump into a little football. We're going to start with some NCAA. And arguably the game of the week. For some reason, it's starting at 11 a.m. Central Time. It's the number three Michigan Wolverines. They're number two now. Number two Michigan Wolverines taking on, I believe, number ten Penn State. Number nine. A Penn big, State. Big Ten West. I'm sorry, Big Ten East matchup. Uh, Michigan. There's a lot of noise around the program right now with this so-called cheating scandal. Honestly, I'm on their side. That's not cheating. That's just scouting, I believe. But we're not getting into that. They're taking on Penn State, who, great football team. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying, in my opinion. I follow that same opinion. But Penn State comes in. They're a team with James Franklin. They've been good for a little while. But don't you were about to say James Franco. I was like, really? <laughs> that is nuts. He's the head coach. <laughs> wow. But as these James Franklin teams come to be, it seems like they lose the big games. They lost to Ohio State this year. Uh It is in Penn State. I think it's going to be a tough game for Michigan, but I think the Wolverines are one of the best teams in the country. I think all this scandal talk has made them closer. Maybe. I don't think they like the noise. I think they're going to try to prove the haters wrong. I think they go in to Happy Valley, Beaver Stadium. I think they beat Penn State. So last week,
0: Penn State held Maryland to negative 49 rushing yards. And then yeah, they but that's just 51 points on it. But that's
1: because in college, sacks count against the rushing yards. It's pretty so cool. it's kind of skewed. They pretty just had cool. a bunch of sacks.
0: Now, Michigan led in the air last week with 335
1: passing yards. And Blake Corum scoring
0: three rushing touchdowns.
1: They're the two-time defending Big Ten champs. They look like I mean, it's going to be between them and Ohio State.
0: Both good offenses so far through the season. And they both have good defensives. Like Michigan you said, quarterback- State only dropped it to Ohio State.
1: Yeah, their only and loss.
0: Michigan is 9-0. and Michigan's favored by four and a half with an over under a 45 and a half.
1: Who do you think wins? I said it before. Michigan gets the win. I, know, I, I think they're one of the down, best teams though. in the country. Um, they've won the Big Ten two times in a row. I think they're going to win it a third time. And I think the scandal talk, they're trying to discredit what this team's done the past couple of years. That's going to make these guys closer I think they come in and they...
0: More of a tight-knit group. Tight-knit group. I wasn't even thinking about the scandal whenever I was picking them, but I was picking them just because I thought they were the better team.
1: But Yeah, that is also true. They are the better team.
0: <laughs> moving on to the uh, number 18 Utah Utes. They're 7-2. and They're not fighting. They're playing the number 5 Washington Huskies, who are
1: 9-0. and So Washington, just like Michigan, is a team that is vying for a top-four playoff spot. This is a huge game because one loss... Pretty much ends that for them. And, Uh, look, I think... And they're taking on a good Utah team, a team that's lost a couple games, but they're a tough team. They've won the Pac-12 two years in a row. So, like, they have experience. I think the biggest
0: problem with the the Utah Utes this season is they haven't had the best passing offense. Well,
1: they've been missing their cam rising for most of the year.
0: Right. That, they've just been kind of playing injured, and they've had to play injured with kind of no timetable for return, which they've only lost two games, props to them. But I think... Washington's going to go ten and zero. I think they're going to win. I think Michael Penix Jr. is going to lead them to, you know, a very good win. I think the nine and a half point line is probably accurate.
1: I got Washington too. They seem to be a team that uh, when they play the big teams, the good teams, the ranked teams, they play their best games. I mean, they've got they, some they close games the- against bad teams, but. When they play the best teams they show out. They beat USC by 10 points last weekend.
0: Right. Now that, that was a big 52 to 42 victory. That was a big big game showing that their offense could compete. Yeah, he outdueled uh,
1: Caleb Williams. Right. Michael Penix.
0: And he didn't have to do it all by himself. Of course, he he threw two in the air, he got one on the ground, but you know, all the receivers helped out with that as well.
1: All right, so the next one we're taking a look at is the big SEC East matchup. The Missouri Tigers Coming in 7-2, and two, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers, who I believe are also 7-2. and 7-2, and 7-2. and two.
0: The Volunteers are ranked 14, and the Tigers are ranked 16, so it's a close-ranked matchup. I like
1: this Missouri team a lot. They played LSU. LSU did beat them, but they put up a, a good fight, and they put up a lot of points on LSU's defense. Uh, Missouri, they gave Georgia a tough fight last weekend. And Georgia, it was an expected loss. So. It was an expected loss, and they, they were in the game in the fourth quarter, then Georgia kind of pulled away, as they do. Right. Uh, Tennessee... Bowl's off a big win They're off of a big win But we also This Tennessee team's Kind of Third in the nation On the run brother We don't know how good They are though Against the good teams They don't always Perform the best You're right This is I don't want to say It's a rivalry game Because they haven't Played that much Like in the past Besides the past Like 10 years But Because Missouri's Newer to the conference This is a big SEC East game I think it's going to show the second-best team in the SEC East because Georgia's running away with that. Yeah, I think Um, it's a
0: very important game for both of them, for sure. I think it
1: is for teams trying to, like, build their program and be sustainable. I like Missouri. I like their quarterback, Cook. Uh, I like what Missouri's putting down the last few weekends, even though they lost to Georgia. I got the Missouri Tigers getting the dub. So, look, I like
0: like these lines. Tennessee, money line, minus 110. Missouri, money line, minus 110. Tennessee favored minus one at Missouri with an over under 58 and a half. I think Tennessee's going to go to Missouri and win, but it's going to be an ugly game. They're going to need that confidence when they go to play Georgia next week. And I think that's really what's going to pull them together to win, knowing that they have an even tougher matchup on the horizon. They have to play their best the next few
1: weeks to even stand a chance to win this game. So I picked Tennessee. So we differ on that one, but speaking of Georgia, they're playing Maybe the other big, biggest game of the weekend uh, contends with Michigan-Penn State. It's the number one or number two, whatever poll you look at, Georgia Bulldogs taking on number 11, Ole Miss. Big-time game. Ole Miss still technically is alive for the SEC West title. They, yeah, need, Alabama one. To, they need Alabama to lose twice, but they're uh, still alive. They're having a great year, uh, and they're taking on the Georgia Bulldogs, who seem to be a team that plays to their opponents. Uh, they've had some close games, but they – you never really doubt that they're going to win the games against Auburn, you would say, against Missouri, close games. Right. Uh, I think Georgia's a team that plays to their opponent, and I think they have a team that's ranked pretty high coming in to Athens this weekend, and I think the Bulldogs are going to come perform some of the, one of their best games of the year. I like Ole Miss, but I think Georgia's a better team, and I think when they're performing their best, they're probably like 14 to 17 points better than Ole Miss. Yeah,
0: look, Ole Miss, I actually just looked down and realized Ole Miss is actually uh, ranked 10 now, so top 10 matchup. This has very big implications for both. I think a win, I read online here a win would lock up an SEC title game for Georgia.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much guaranteed anyway, but yeah.
0: But that's that's I mean, that's great, but a win for Ole Miss will do everything to keep their playoff hopes alive as it is. So it's a very important game for both schools for just kind of different reasons. But like you said, Ole Miss has been playing great all season. They're 8-1. and one. Georgia's favored by 10.5 with an over under a 58.5. I think they're still going to win because throughout the whole season, Georgia's only allowed 15 points average per game. And through and through, Ole Miss has you know just done a little bit worse, 23 points per game allowed. I think those kind of things, where they're both high-powered offenses, both scoring about the same, I think in a shootout situation, I think Georgia's going to win, and I think that's what we have here.
1: All right, and the last game we're going to cover for college football is the Oregon Ducks versus the non-ranked Trojans. USC Trojans. USC accepted their third loss this weekend to Washington, the Washington Huskies. Uh, I mean, Oregon's the big favorite. They're at home. They've been playing great. Something tells me, though, USC is going to come out and play pretty good. I think USC keeps it very close. I think that offense and having Caleb Williams on your team and some of the receivers they have, they're always going to be in any games. They just need Oregon to make a couple mistakes. Uh, But saying that, I think the Ducks let the Trojans hang in there for most of the game, but I think Oregon pulls away towards the end. I think it's going to be a little closer than the experts think, but I got the Ducks
0: yeah Oregon favored by 15 and a half here is is kind of crazy I just just because Caleb Williams can score in any situation I feel like I mean he's proven that he could lose games I'm gonna say it's going to be close enough for it, but the Ducks win by like 10 12 10 12 something like that maybe even 14. they can win by two touchdowns and still cover the and line still yeah I think and not cover the line and not yeah they won't cover the line right Over under seventy three and a half. Last week they had the uh, USC and Washington had the over under of seventy six and a half, and it was a ninety four point game. Oregon's favored on the money line minus eight hundred, so huge huge odds for Oregon to win this game. I agree with you. I think Oregon's going to win, but it's going to be a big battle between Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. Huge high powered offenses, and I think you can also sprinkle in some Marshall and Lloyd, the number one you know yards per rush leader in college football. To you know, help out with, you know, an obvious high-scoring game that's about to happen. I think, like you said, Oregon wins, and
1: you know, keeps the Trojans unranked. So it looks like we mostly agree, except for one college game. So let's move on to the pros. First professional game, NFL game, we're going to cover is a big NFC North matchup: the Cleveland Browns five and three taking on the seven and two. Uh, maybe the team nobody's talking about for some reason: the Baltimore Ravens seven and two. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's not putting up great uh, like passing crazy stats, stats or whatever, but, but he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. He's, he's playing, playing efficient. Smart. He's playing the best, yeah, most efficient he's probably ever played. I really like this Ravens team, honestly. The Browns are kind of hit or miss. They're very talented, but I don't think they have the uh, coaching and like the and look the, the Ra- team setup as the as the Ravens.
0: The Ravens at the beginning of the season, it looked like they were already destined to have problems. They lost, you know, they lost a running back early. Another ACL problem, I believe.
1: Lamar Jackson. No, uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, yeah. Achilles. Uh, Achilles. Same as, uh, same as Aaron Rodgers because he said they were rehabbing together.
0: Right. There you go. Last week, Lamar Jackson, you know, didn't have to do much. He held the game, used the rushing attack from Gus Edwards to put a few scores on the board. They beat Seattle 37-3, to 3, absolutely demolishing them. But on the other side... For the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson played like he was worth the $200 million they paid him. I mean, it's about time. Right. They, they need him to be back. But, look, he did have that back injury a few weeks back. So, maybe if he's and he's back to 100%. We may be seeing a very good game with this. I think the Ravens are going to win. They are favored minus six on the line with only an over-under of 37.5. I think that's kind of weird seeing as, you know, Seattle put up 37 alone last week without any scores through the air. So I'd be interested to see if this actually hits the under or the
1: over. I think the Ravens win. All right. So the next game we're going to cover is I don't think anybody looking at the schedule preseason would think the Jaguars would come into this game in week nine. I believe we're in right having a better record than the 49ers. Jaguars 6-2, 49ers 5-3. and three. It's crazy, but the
0: 49ers are still favored, minus three. Going favored, to,
1: despite they're going across the country to Jacksonville. No respect for the Jaguars, honestly, at 6-2. God hates them. The, God hates the Jacksonville Jags. Trust me.
0: Over under 46, San Francisco favored, minus 160 on the line. Jacksonville I just don't think plus 40, 135.
1: I just don't think the 49ers, they've come, they lost two in a row. Went to the bye week, or three in a three row. Three in a row. Went to the bye week. I don't think there's a way they lose four in a row after a bye week. Debo Samble should be back. Yeah, Debo coming back. I like the Jags, honestly, but I just something's telling me the 49ers are going to be up for this game. I think the Niners get the dub.
0: It's also weird to think the Jags were also coming off a bye, at, but they're also, while they're good, we're not really hearing a lot from them. I w-
1: didn't even remember that they were on the bye until I looked it up. But I think that's a good thing if you're winning and you're kind of under the radar at this point in the season
0: yeah absolutely i i mean i'd like to i'd like to see if it settled the buy for both them. you know did it cool off the jags because they've had you know three four wins in a row now and did did it kind of give the 49ers a chance to regroup yeah Yeah, reset regroup i think the buy is going to be helpful for both teams you know helping them up get them a little bit stronger so i think it's gonna be a good matchup i think the 49ers win you said that as well right
1: yeah, pick the four niners. Go ahead and health them, health them, healthing them up, healthing them up, man. Healthing them up.
0: All right. Next on, we
1: have the Houston Texans. Maybe, definitely, uh, offensive rookie of the year favorite. You can pretty much give him the thing now. But he's honestly in the MVP race. CJ Stroud. I got a question. The way he's playing for the Texans is Eli Apple still on the Bengals? No, he plays somebody else. Okay, Probably so we're good. We should be good. We're so good. the Texans taking on the Bengals. Bengals finally. Thank. The dear Lord. What are they, 5-3 and now? 5-3. and They turned it on after the horrible start. Joe Burrow right now back to being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Calf
0: injury must have been lingering on for longer than I wanted to say. Bengals on this game are favored by 6.5 points with an over-under 48 points.
1: Yeah, I think the Bengals found their groove. I think they're back to being one of the best teams in the NFL. Jamar Chase has a back injury, though, so he's day-to-day questionable. Well, I do like the Texans. I like what they're doing right now. CJ Stroud, I'm loving it. Is that, like bur- is that like a burger? Is like McDonald's. McDonald's, CJ Stroud. I'm loving it. Good Got try, it. but I think the Bengals at home. I think Joe Burrow is going to be too much. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game, but I think the Bengals get the dub.
0: And I think even with the Jamar Chase back injury, even if he's out this week, I think Joe Burrow has enough options on the team now that he trusts to you know, kind of get the win when he's comfortable and when he's strong, like not injured, healthing him up as well, you know. Get him all those victories that he can get. I think the Bengals win here.
1: All right, so the next two games we're going to cover, I'm kind of uh, wondering, these might be the two worst NFL games we've covered on here. But regardless, we're going to power through. I like Sam Howell. <laughs> we're going to do the Washington Commanders. I don't like Geno four Smith. Four five, taking on. What's the Seahawks record? Five and four, six and five three? Five and three. Five and three. Commander Seahawks... Um, I think this is a game. A total of thirteen people are going to watch.
0: I, I guess I'll be one of them now that we are covering it. Yeah, so I think good. the
1: Commanders have a good defense, but man, they just like traded away a lot of their good uh, defensive linemen. So I don't know how they're going to hold up against the Seahawks. The tanking didn't work last week, though, for the Commanders. They still beat the Patriots twenty to seventeen. Yeah, so they beat the Patriots. I mean, they kind of yeah, they look good against the Patriots. Um, not hard. I just think the Seahawks, at home, commanders coming cross-country. Seahawks are one of those teams. I don't know how. Seahawks and Geno Smith, they just... He's going to get you 9 or 10 wins with the Seahawks, it seems like, this team. Yeah, Um, it's weird. They're going to lose some games they shouldn't lose, but they're going to beat a lot of of teams they should beat. And they're going to compete when they have no business competing as well. Exactly. Right. So I think the Seahawks are going to get the dub. uh, I agree. And then... We talked about that. This might be the worst game we're ever going to cover, ever. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. With wait until our off- wait until
0: our teams are just really, really, really bad and they're playing each other.
1: With with the way these offenses are playing right now, the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Las Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm sorry. The yeah, Los no, Angeles they're playing Raiders, like the
0: Oakland Raiders actually.
1: They did win their last game once they fired the coach. 27
0: to zero over the Cardinals, who traded away their quarterback before their other
1: quarterback came off of IR. And they're taking on the Jets, who almost got shut out. As much progress as Zach Wilson had made, and they had won three in a row, this last game against the Chargers this past week, and he looked like he regressed even more than – worse than he was before. Like
0: before before the end of last season. Yeah, so I think this – for the rest of the Jets season, every game is a must-win. That's it. So they just
1: got to stay in the playoff hunt so when Aaron Rodgers can come back.
0: Apparently, he uh, I saw on the internet today he can come back. like He, he feels as though he's going to be able to start practicing in the next like three weeks or some bullshit. I don't I go that far, but he is walking without
1: crutches, which is
0: nuts. Chunking the ball down the field. Yeah, throwing the ball like 40 yards
1: already. So Zach Wilson underperformed, like you said. But I think I, Zach Wilson, he's a survivor. I think he's a guy. He's going to underperform. Everybody, the last time everybody was like, dude, you got to get him out. He came out against the Chiefs. Played pretty well.
0: And who else do they have? Like, at this point, they just kind of
1: got to wait. Yeah, at this they point. They banked everything Aaron Rodgers, on Aaron Rodgers. And, and he just Aaron Rodgers likes him, so it's like, we don't want to piss Aaron off before he even plays for us. Right. So might as well keep him in. I think Zach Wilson performs well in this game. He's taking on, I think, O'Connell is the starting quarterback. Dude, the Raiders
0: bitch Jimmy G and fired <laughs> their entire staff. I mean. Damn near. I, I get it. Did you hear the story about it? No. They oh, said, I did. Josh a, McDaniel. They like, had a
1: team meeting, and the team started shitting on Josh McDaniel. But then Antonio Pierce stood up and gave a speech where he was talking about how they needed to come together like he did with the Giants when they beat the Patriots right. when they were undefeated. Well, Josh McDaniel is the offensive coordinator. He got – he, even though Antonio Pierce calmed everything down and brought the team together. Helped him out. He got mad that Antonio Pierce talked shit on the Patriots They got into a thing. Mark Davis, the owner, found out and said, No, that's some loser ass shit. Get out of here, Josh McDaniels. Antonio Pierce, you're the interim coach now, and you have a chance to be the new head coach. I like it. I like it too. Uh, But I picked the the Raiders. I got the Jets. I like Robert Sala. I like their defense. As I said, I think Zach Wilson steps up. Here's my narrative. And becomes not the worst quarterback.
0: My narrative is. Devontae Adams, former number one wide receiver in the NFL, still great, made a bad decision going to the Raiders. Hindsight. He made a bad
1: decision just leaving Aaron Rodgers, yes. Yeah,
0: hindsight. It's a bitch sometimes. You know, but, he was
1: going there because he's best friends with Derek Carr. Right, and, and then Derek Carr just was...
0: dipped. Right. But well, here's the thing. Well, they dipped him. Because, Aaron Rod- or because Devontae Adams didn't score any points, fantasy, yards, anything the past few weeks— This week, he's going to be on fire. That's why I picked the Raiders over the Jets. I think it's going to just be one of those matchups. Raiders at home, I think that's what it takes.
1: I like that we have a few picks that are off from each other.
0: All right, now for Stakes and Takes, the betting segment where we recap and give you our best advice for this week's matchups. First, we have some cancellations that w- there were. We had Vieira versus Petrosian. That was canceled um, day before the fight, night before the fight, whatever. Was, or day of the
1: fight. That was day of. Bonifin was
0: uh, night before. Night before. Then Bonfim versus Pit- Pichel, Pichel uh, canceled due to weight loss.
1: UFC for picks or takes. We only had four uh, to choose from this week. Because four of to choose two cancellations. from. I went one and three. You went one. I went three and one.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. I I uh, had some I had some takes that weren't that good. Takes. I did win the Nascimento fight. Obviously, you did too. My only loss was uh, Bonfim and
1: Dalby. I Which had Bonfim woman? That was winning. a big
0: upset. I had Magomedov as a loss. I do have a new theory though that I'm crafting, so I think I'll, I'll be fine moving forward. And then Derek Lewis is a loss. Um, in college. I went three
1: and two, so a little bit better. I went four and one in college. My only Damn. loss, though, was the law. The only I wish I would have went one and four and got LSU right because my only loss is LSU losing Alabama. I got Ole Miss
0: right. I got Georgia right. I got Washington right. Got LSU and Kansas State wrong. Yeah, that Kansas Tech Kansas State Texas game was crazy. I, I was wearing my, I, I
1: got that Kansas State sweater. Texas jumped out. They were like twenty seven to zero. Then Kansas State came all the way back.
0: Yeah, then lost thirty eight to thirty five or something yeah, like it that. Yeah, that's crazy. 38-33. It was nuts.
1: NFL. I did another three and two. I did another four and one. Damn, my, dude. I know my only loss was the Rams. That's awesome. They got their ass beat. I shouldn't have picked them, but right. We thought the Packers were just that much worse. Yeah, the Packers came out and played well.
0: Chiefs. Ravens, Bengals. What's the one other one you got right? Chiefs, Ravens, Bengals, Eagles. Eagles. I got the Cowboys wrong and the Rams wrong.
1: Yeah, so, so that that brought me to eleven and three this week. So I had a very good week picking, and I really needed that. Man, I went what like seven and
0: seven. Jeez, seven and seven. Oof. Yeah, that's not good. At least it was even. I didn't go well. All right, for stakes, I went two, two, and one. Went a little bit on the favor side for bets. Uh, one with the Kansas City money line and Cincinnati money line, Cincinnati Bengals, that'll be. I guess I should say the, the Bengals because Cincinnati could be a college. Yes. Uh, okay, Kansas that's. State and LSU were my losses, and then I got canceled Petrosi and money line like probably 12 minutes before the fight started.
1: Yeah, I also had two wins and bets, which were my two NFL bets, Eagles and uh, Ravens money lines. Nice. But I went two and three. I didn't have I uh, I didn't have a cancellation. I did have the Bonfim brother parlay. One of them got canceled, but then the other. I would have. I was hoping that would save me. Right, kind of give you a
0: pass on a free, a free, a free win. win, pretty
1: much. But pretty much, but Bonfim got he lost fair and square. The other Bonfim brother, so that's a. I count that as a loss. Uh, I also had the under. Almeida Lewis, which I thought was a safe bet. On Brother, the the only under
0: you had on that fight was Derek Lewis underneath Jelton Almeida. Yeah,
1: went the distance over two and a half rounds, so I lost that one. And then, as I said, the LSU money line, that's the one that hurts the most. Yeah, just kind of brush over that. We don't want to talk about that anymore. So two and three in bets for me.
0: Okay. So, look, that brings up the, st- the season standings. Uh, we're going to talk about stakes first. I am now 43, 35, and three. Christian, you are 44, 36, and one. Finally, taking, edging me. I'm not edging you. Well, you know what I mean. Maybe. Um, yes, yeah, so you, you. No thanks. You got over me. You, you came over me. How, how do you want to say? How do you say that? You beat me. You beat me off the top. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, you, you got me on the stakes right now. I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to beat you back off the top. So you don't have to worry about that. And then for takes 107, 64 and four for myself and Christian, you're at 108, 64 and three with AI right behind us or actually kind of ahead of us. If you think about percentages, but 60, 31 and four still just kind of holding true. Had a bad week for AI seven, seven and two. So kind of good good for them but uh yeah you kind of have me in both categories right now so i need to get my head out of my ass and
1: i have some good picks this week some good stakes this week what are your mma bets this week
0: my mma bets i got benoit saint denis money line i also have benoit saint denis money line. so the first time we covered him i, I didn't him, pick him
1: i had him by submission the first time. It was still my biggest bet podcast yeah it was like it a I plus had.
0: like plus 240 line i think it, it was crazy I bet against him the first time, and I'll never do that again unless he's fighting like my favorite fighter. I got Benoit Saint-Denis money line. I also have Jessica Andrade, Mackenzie Dern over. That's a good pick.
1: I, Mike, I, I have another, hits. as I said, I agree with you. I have the Saint-Denis money line. God of War. I also have a second MMA money line, and it's Tom Aspinall money line. Ooh, I like that. What That was like a minus 110 minus is a like pretty much toss-up. Which I'll take that for Aspinall. I think it's going to be a good fight. So, yeah. Nice. I only have
0: one college bet. How I many do you have? I also have one college bet. I got that Vols money line. Vols? The Tennessee Volunteers. The Volunteers. The vol I don't. I don't know why. Why do they call them the Vols? The Vols? The Vols? You're saying it wrong. It's all wrong. They're the volunteers. That's a shitty mass. Never mind. Let's not even get into that. I picked the Tennessee money line. It's where I was born. Let's go Tennessee.
1: I got. Uh, I think Tennessee loses, but regardless, my bet is Jeez. the Michigan money line over Penn State. All right, I like it. I, like and it. I have two uh, NFL money lines, and I'm going my tried and true. I think this is the third or fourth time I've picked the Ravens money line. Hey, look! if it ain't, ain't broke, me. don't fix it. Right. I think they're like minus like two sixty two seventy this week taking the Ravens and the other one I'm taking is the 49ers money line at Jacksonville.
0: I also have the 49ers money line. Um, I think they're going to come out, come off the three three loss losing streak, and yeah. then the buy and come back with a good win. I agree. And with the Seahawks, I think they're going to kind of come back after that thirty-seven to three loss over the Ravens. I think they're going to come back kind of swinging get back into their groove and, you know, get a good win this week. So I got the Seahawks money line. Something that
1: kind of wraps up our picks, huh?
0: Picks, bets, everything. That'll be everything for stakes and takes this week. I guess it would have been a good idea to fade us last week,
1: but or fade me last week. Picks wise. I mean, bets wise, you did all right. Right. But yeah, thanks for listening uh, to this episode of split decision. This was our 21st episode, which is a big deal. Yeah. We're officially legal officially legal catch us next week we're going to recap uh, the ufc 295 that we previewed this week and we're going to take a look ahead to ufc vegas 82 and we're going to huddle up for a little football madison
0: square garden once hosted a six-day bicycle race in 1891 where participants rode continuously sleeping in makeshift cabins on the track